Our scripture reading today is Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God, and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum, by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Katie, for that beautiful reading. And let's pray. Oh, we pray, Holy God, that your Holy Spirit will continue now to move among us, that you'll speak to us in words that we will not miss and receive the word of love and truth and guidance that we each need. We pray this with gratitude and with expectation in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you're hearing the story for the first time, it's an unexpected turn of events. Immediately after the joyful and life-giving celebration of Jesus' baptism by John in the Jordan where God calls down from heaven, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. What happens next? Where do we see Jesus? 
not leading a worship service or preaching a sermon, not recruiting disciples to serve alongside him, not gathering the children together to teach them of God's great love. He's not doing any of those things. He is instead led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And we discover, whether we like it or not, that experiences of testing and temptation are part of Jesus' call. And sooner or later, we discover that they are part of our call. And so, friends, what I invite us to think about this morning is, in your faithful response to God's call upon your life, How are you being tested? How are you being tempted? By the lure of the world, by the ploys of Satan, by the power or pleasure or appeal of false gods instead of the one true God. How are you being tested? How are you being tempted? The manner in which Jesus is tempted in the wilderness at the start of his ministry provides some clues. Discipleship, vocation, the call to ministry, it is not the easy or comfortable life we might have once thought it was, as lovely as that would be. It seems that there will be periods of challenge and of trouble. It was so for the people of Israel, one trial after another, and it's so for Jesus. And so I invite us to look closely at this season in Jesus' life that we might understand more deeply our own lives, our own call. And I offer these four brief observations. First, It was at a weakened state that he was tempted. Hungry, tired, socially isolated. In Matthew's telling of the story, it is at the 40-day mark that Satan shows up. It is at the point of having spent 40 days without food or shelter or companionship in the barren wilderness. The point where he is most famished in body and in mind and in spirit is the point that Satan comes. Some of you have heard me share the story that when Emily and I were in premarital counseling, a wise pastor told us, don't ever fight when you're hungry or tired. And we've, of course, learned over the years that nearly every single time we're fighting, we're either hungry or we're tired or we're both hungry and tired. Those kind of moments not only make us vulnerable to saying things to a loved one we will regret. They make us vulnerable to all kinds of temptations, all kinds of compromises of integrity. It was when Jesus was already vulnerable and in a weakened state. That was the moment for him that Jesus saw his opportunity and that he came. And it is at our moments of being 
tired and hungry, discouraged, socially isolated, that our temptations often come. Observation number two. Satan calls into doubt Jesus' identity. The identity that, curiously enough, had just been celebrated and affirmed without any shadow of a doubt in his baptism. Yet shortly thereafter, Satan says, if, if you are the Son of God, and I don't really think you are, do this. In the first two of the three temptations, he says that. In a similar way, our moments of temptation, our times of trial, are often accompanied by us doubting or forgetting who we are. And so, I want to say this morning that if you are dealing with an illness, it does not define you. If you have some physical handicap or limitation, it does not define you. If your relationship status on social media is not the status that you wish it was at the present moment, that doesn't define you. If you made a mistake that is so great that you think there is no coming back from it, then let me be the one to remind you today that that mistake does not define you. Don't let the world or anyone or anything in the world cause you to doubt or to forget who you are, a unique and treasured child of God. Observation number three. Each time Jesus is tempted by Satan, he responds by doing what? Citing scripture. Much of it is from Deuteronomy, quoting Moses in his farewell speech, summing up much of what they had learned in the wilderness as they are on the verge of entering into the promised land. Satan tempts, he lures, he works to derail Jesus. Jesus pushes back with the truth and the strength of God's word. You want me to turn these stones into bread? One doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You want me to throw myself from the pinnacle of this temple to see if the angels will catch me? Scripture teaches, do not put the Lord your God to the test. You want me to worship you? Away from me, Satan. It's never happening. Scripture teaches, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And that's exactly what I intend to do. In each moment of peril, of testing, of temptation, he holds fast to scripture. He clings to it. It's what gives him life and strength and reminders of who he is and of God's promises to be faithful. Do you immerse yourself in scripture that you might be able to call upon its truth and its power when you need it the most? If you don't own a Bible, let me know and I'll get you one. Any time you want to just take one home from the pews, you have my blessing and permission to do that. I mean it. Our church website has a link to a 
inspiring daily devotional that is rooted in scripture. Most Sundays, there's a wonderful Bible study group that happens before the worship service and then another one that happens following the worship service in addition to all of our other studies and small groups. And they are always thrilled to welcome new participants. Do you immerse yourself in scripture even just for a few moments each day? that you might be able to call upon its truth and its power when you need it the most. And finally, my fourth observation. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and the Spirit of God stayed with him and accompanied him through the challenges that he faced. He was not alone. God did not forsake him in that moment. God was with him, just as God during our times of wilderness and trial and temptation is with us. And so, friends, what is the trial or the temptation that you face? Is there a wilderness that you have found yourself in? or that a person you dearly treasure is in. It's not where you ever thought you would end up. It's not where you want to be. But for now, at least, it's where you find yourself. I think of two families in our church who lost a dearly loved member of their family during this past week. I think of a number among us who are battling serious illness. One has a lifelong friend whose child is battling cancer. I think of a couple I know who have been married for over 40 years. Their marriage is imploding, and they do not know what to do about it. I think of the countless teens in our community who struggle with depression or anxiety or pressures as they perceive it to be perfect. I think of those who outwardly appear that all is just fine, but who inwardly feel that God has forsaken them in some place of pain or uncertainty or fear. I don't know too many people who seek out wilderness experiences in their lives. The kind of wilderness that the patriarchs and the prophets and that Jesus himself knew so well and that our passage this morning is set in. The kind of wilderness that is a wasteland, barren, empty, lifeless. A place of testing, of temptation, a place of learning again who God is and who we are as children of God. Yet that is often the very place that life brings us. Four reminders about the life of faith that this passage holds. It's often in a weakened state that we are tempted and tested. Satan calls into doubt our identity as children of God, the truth that we are gifted and called and loved. During moments of peril, of testing, of temptation, God calls us to hold fast 
to Scripture, to cling to it for strength and protection. And during times of wilderness and trial and temptation, God does not forsake us. The Holy Spirit of God is with us. And I close with this. The story is told of a man who one day decided to quit. Quit his job, quit his relationships, quit his spirituality, quit everything. He went to the woods to have one last talk with God. God, he said, can you give me one good reason not to quit? And God's answer surprised him. Look around, God said. Do you see the fern and the bamboo? Yes, he replied. When I planted the fern and the bamboo seeds, I took very good care of them. I gave them light. I gave them water. The fern quickly grew from the earth. Its brilliant green covered the floor. Yet nothing came from the bamboo seed, the bamboo seed. But I did not quit on the bamboo. In the second year, the fern grew even more vibrant and plentiful. And again, nothing came from the bamboo seed. But I did not quit on the bamboo. In the third year, there was still nothing from the bamboo seed, but I would not quit. In the fourth year, again, there was nothing from the bamboo seed. I still would not quit. And then in the fifth year, a tiny sprout emerged from the earth. Compared to the fern, it was seemingly small and insignificant. But just six months later, the bamboo rose to over 100 feet. It had spent the five years growing roots. Those roots made it strong and gave it what it needed to thrive. Did you know, my child, that all this time you have been struggling, you have actually been growing roots? I would not quit on the bamboo. I will never quit on you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.